Here is a line from a holiday movie. Josh and Kelsey, let's see who wins. World's best cup of coffee. Congratulations. You did it, guys. A Christmas story. A Folgers commercial. Nope. I'll give you another line from the same movie. I'm in love. I'm in love. And I don't Don't care who who knows it. Oh, it's... Oh, Elf. Elf. (laughs) (laughs) And I guess they're coming out with an Elf, too. Merry Christmas. Hi. Hello. Hey, everyone. And welcome back to Travel Unpacked, a podcast brought to you by Colette where we share all the interesting, fun, and curious aspects of the travel industry. And I'm so excited today because we have a special guest that's going to be joining us a little bit later. But before we bring her on, as we get a little bit closer to Christmas and Hanukkah, I wanted to talk today with everybody about what your traditions are for the holiday season, if you have anything. So something that we do in our house is we make a CD every year. We call it a Christmix, and we start planning it in probably October. We've been doing it since 2008 when I I met my husband in 07 and right away let him know I was a Christmas enthusiast. We've been making albums full of just the new songs that drop, classics, all different holiday songs. It's a long tradition. People do tell us they look forward to receiving the CD with our Christmas card. So you send out the Christmas card and the CD? We send out the Christmas card and the CD. And I try to go big with the Christmas card. Like I, during the pandemic, I had my children all dressed as elves. I have four little boys, all dressed as elves that were under arrest. And their crimes were like hoarding toilet paper and like things that were relevant during the pandemic, having a party with more than 10 people. Just Your mask around your chin. <laughs> yes, exactly. So we, we try to have a lot of fun with our cards. That's like our big thing. Our People have their big Memorial Day barbecues or whatever it is. Our big thing is our Christmas card with our CD. I love it every year. And I like the fact that you have now gone the digital route. You give the CD for those that want it, but you also have the playlist on Spotify. Can I get on your list of Christmas card sendees? Oh, 100% Kelsey. You're going to be on the list. And uh, yeah, we give the CD to people who are not digitally savvy, let's say. (laughs) Do you know, I actually don't own a CD player. I would have no way to play a CD. Not even in your car? Not in my car. No, same. I don't have it in my car anymore. No, I guess I still have it in my car, but I enjoy the I enjoy the Spotify. So what are your Christmas traditions or holiday traditions? Well, I am huge into Christmas in my house. It really feels like you've walked into a Hallmark movie. Every single room is decorated. I love Christmas. I just, it's the best time of the year for me. So one of the traditions that we have is Christmas stockings. We are huge stocking families. So not only do our Christmas gifts, but we wake up in the morning. We all sit in our exact same spots that we sit in every single year. We we have to sit there. You can't move spots. And then we each get our Christmas stockings and we open them up. And the Christmas stockings always have movies, gift cards, candies, trinkets. We collect all throughout the year. And it's a little overwhelming. Sometimes we have like two or three stockings because it's literally everything you could ever think of. And it's just like it's such a fun family tradition. And then we have breakfast and then we open up gifts and we always open up gifts one at a time. We go around and it's usually like the youngest to oldest. And then we'll do like oldest to youngest. And then when it gets a little tiring, we'll say, just open up two gifts and then we'll just do it that way. My husband's family does the same thing. They go one, they don't do one person at a time. They do one gift at a time and go around. My family, it was just total chaos. Just a a mad dash of wrapping paper (laughs) flying through the sky and like no patience. Nope, we do that. And then with with Brendan's family too, we do the crackers at at the table. I usually, that's Christmas Eve, we'll pop the crackers and we'll do the charades that are in there. We'll show everybody our little gifts. They like to do lobster tails Christmas Eve. And the same thing Christmas morning, we'll do stockings on a much 
lighter scale in the office with the fireplace and Christmas music, have breakfast, and then we open up gifts. It's just, I love the holidays. I love giving gifts. It's I like love just doing things. a sweet little Hallmark movie, Josh. I know. What can I say? And I was in a Hallmark movie too, by the way, if anybody ever wants to Google that. So. <laughs> he was. <laughs> Let's table that. I'm going to come back to that, but I have another question. In the last podcast, you had said that you shop all year long for people. Like you have, you have buckets. With people's names on them. So I have you shop. Yeah, so I have a bin. I have a couple of bins now. I was actually just looking through them. And throughout the year, if I see things that I think people are gonna love, I will just buy them, put them in the bin, especially for like stocking stuffers, little things like that. So then when Christmas comes, I have an overabundance of gifts. And then I end up having to buy stuff off of people's lists. So I overshot, but I just I love giving. I love buying and I do I have a whole closet filled with with things for everybody. That's so beautiful. And we've been friends now for almost a year. So there's a bin with my name on it in your house. <laughs> there there uh, is. Yeah, exactly. That has, that's been accumulating some stuff. That's so exciting. New tradition for me is Josh has a bin in his house with my name on it and he gives me gifts. Yeah, that's going to be a great <laughs> a tradition. Great tradition for you. Yep. <laughs> and Josh, how many Christmas trees do you have? So I have four. So I only started with one. So I have one Christmas tree that's in the main room, and that has all the ornaments from childhood, the Hallmark ornaments that I collect. And then over the years, I decided I wanted to have more. So then I started a white and silver Christmas tree. And then I also collect Wizard of Oz because I'm obsessed with Wizard of Oz. I've collected Wizard of Oz ornaments, and I have a whole bin filled with Wizard of Oz stuff too. So this year, I created a Wizard of Oz tree that goes into the office, and I use yellow tool as like the yellow brick road. I have the witch's legs coming out from under the tree. I have a witch's hat on top, and then all of my ornaments from Hallmark for that. And then in the bedroom, because I'm a Disney fan, and you all know that I love Disney, I also have a Disney tree that has every Disney ornament. And then I take black and red tool, and I stick it within the tree so it like glitters with black and red. And then each room has like a different theme that goes along with it. But one of the things that I love about the Christmas tree that we have in our main room is that I've mentioned before that I collect Christmas ornaments when I travel. So I'm always traveling. And when I go out, I collect a Christmas ornament. So I have a memory of that trip. As I mentioned, my husband gets a little upset because I'm always pulling out ornaments. I'm like, this is Croatia. This is Costa Rica. Sorry you weren't there with me. But I love it because then I can put it on the tree. It's a little memory. And that's what I love to do. So that tree is just filled with memories from childhood and then all of my travels. I only have one Christmas tree, but I have to say it tells a story. Every ornament pretty much tells a story because similar to you, Josh, we collect ornaments when we travel. There's a lot of photo ornaments from the kids or from our travels, like a group picture of the family. We have a nice one. We did an intergenerational trip was my my parents and their three kids. So me and my brother and my sister are our spouses and then our children. So three generations traveling to Austria. And it was a beautiful Alpine vacation in 2019. And that's a nice family photo, all of us together with the, that gorgeous view on the tree. And then of course, just things the kids bring home from school. So a lot of laminated handprints and artwork of theirs. So pretty much our tree is just, it's a little messy because the kids decorate it, but it has a lot of stories from travels or just the kids. That's so sweet. Now, is it a real tree or is it a fake tree? I don't want to answer that. <laughs> I don't, I don't, Josh, your five trees, are they real? Are they I don't fake? want to answer that either. <laughs> so growing- I feel like there's a little judgment for fake trees, but mine, my tree doesn't need to be thrown out the day after Christmas. I, I have a fake tree and I say it proudly because I don't have to water it. 
we have the nice little smelly candles that you yeah. like hang as the little sensicles. Smells like Christmas tree. Yes. yes, little sensicles, and you don't have to water it, and you don't have to go to sleep at night thinking your house is gonna burn down. I love my fake tree. <laughs> I love my fake tree, and it's paid for itself five times over. And I've also read that you can tell how old your fake tree is by counting the number of tapes that go around the box. That is interesting. I get it. (laughs) (laughs) You'll only get it if you like fake tree. That is true. The more you guys talk, I guess I do have some Christmas traditions. So growing up, my mother, so it was always me and my sister and my mother, and my mother would always wrap our Christmas presents in two separate papers. So like Kelsey would be red and Vanessa would be blue. So you know whose was whose. Christmas Eve, we did get to open up one gift and it was usually the gift between my sister and myself. And then Christmas morning, it was just wild, just like you, Nicole. There was no like taking turns. It was just attack all of your gifts. And then I do collect Christmas ornaments, not so much from where I've been every on my travels, but just you pick up a Christmas ornament throughout the year somewhere. So it could be, I think last year we got a really cute ornament with our two dogs and our cat, which was nice because my cat passed earlier this this year and then for the pandemic did you anybody get the little roll of toilet paper and it said like christmas 2020 dumpster fire ones like that little (laughs) dumpsy yeah so like just throughout your your year you buy a new ornament so i do have i have one more controversial question when it comes to christmas when you were growing up did santa wrap your christmas gifts or did he not wrap your christmas gifts wrapped wrapped oh see santa never wrapped our christmas gifts the Christmas gifts from Santa are always out on display. Yep. Really? And like you would walk in. they're not supposed to be wrapped. Yeah. So like you would walk in. My sister like had the big dollhouse Polly Pockets and they would all be out ready for her. I think everything was always wrapped in like it was, unless it was like unwrapped. I, I realize that it's a controversial like? question that people have now. Wrapped or unwrapped. This is, what about this? What is your favorite Christmas song? Like what is the song when you're out shopping that you're like, oh, it's Christmas because you hear it? It's hard for me to answer that. And I have to say, I think because we make our CD every year. Your Christmas. Yes. Me and my husband, I think we've become probably snobby Christmas music listeners because we know every song. I mean, I love the classics. That's how it all started. But I've, we find these deep, like we, we go deep into the B-sides. They do. And find these great songs that I love. I fall in love with some of these songs. And maybe some not so great songs, but I didn't say that. We have great songs. <laughs> They're all great songs, Josh. I, you said you like when you get the mix every year. I do. I love a good I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. <gasps> I love a wine. And then Christmas. the day after Halloween this year, I did wake my husband up with Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas playing on the Alexa. <laughs> <laughs> That's the song for me when I hear that. I'm like, oh, it's Christmas. That is such a good Shelby's song. Shelby's does that now. It's time. I like Dominic the Donkey. Hee-haw, hee-haw. That's I'm telling you. Dominic the Donkey. Those are some good That's classics. That's a controversial choice. People either love that song or they hate that song. Oh, I love it. I like classic, like Brenda Lee, Rocking Around the Christmas Tree, or yeah, Papa Noel. Like She's got some great ones, but her voice is so iconic, so classic. I love it. So as we were just talking about Christmas traditions, and Nicole, you had mentioned generational travel and how you traveled with your family. And I'm really excited now because we have one of my favorite Colette influencers, Charlotte Simpson, on with us. And she is known as the Traveling Black Widow on Instagram and Facebook. And she has traveled with her daughter too. So I can't wait to dive into that. She has been with us on two tours, Italy's Treasures with her daughter, and then recently Peaks of Europe, which I'm 
excited to talk about as a solo traveler. Welcome, Charlotte. Thank you so much for inviting me. Hi, Charlotte. Welcome. We're so excited to have you on and unpack all of your travel experiences and really just dive into the reasons why you travel and the love of travel you have. Before we do that, though, I am dying to know what's the inspiration for that name, Traveling Black Widow? My daughter came up with that name. And shortly, well, after my husband died and I began traveling alone because friends were not available some of the times I wanted to go somewhere. Anyhow, when I'd get back from a trip, I would have pictures I want her to see. And there was minimally 500 pictures from any particular destination. And after one trip, she said, I'm going to create an Instagram account for you. I had no idea what Instagram was, what it involved. I knew it was pictures because sometimes she would show me a picture But she said, there are people on there who like to travel. They'll love to see your pictures. And so she she said, I have a name for you. She taught me how to use it. And and I got started. And I I loved it immediately. I love the social connection and seeing other people's pictures and, and looking at their travel goals and their lives and all. And so I just, it was just a, a great fit, which I knew nothing about. And even now, most of my friends have no idea of Instagram. They just think it's something with pictures and that people are telling all their business and they don't want everybody to know their business. So they don't want to get on it. And, and I, and I love it. I, I really do. That's actually one of the coolest things about social media at its best, what it's meant to do is connect people. And especially when you have something you love, like travel, or it could be photography, animals, whatever it is, when you find, because I'm active a little bit in the book community. I'm so, I mentioned before to you that I'm an avid reader. I read so much. I like to recommend books. So I found my own community around that. But you can get to know people who you would otherwise never come across just because you share the interest, you share that love. Oh, yeah. Mm. I've met so many people and I've been really fortunate. Early on, I was featured on uh, Travel Noir. And back when you're just doing one picture, and it was this picture I'd uh, taken in New, uh, New Zealand. And and from that, a number of people started following me. And I didn't even, I didn't know who they were. But I mean, with some of them, like Morgan Radford on the evening news, <laughs> different people started following me. Wow. And so then sometimes when they would feature me on something, then my account spread. But now it's really, really fun knowing such a variety of people. And I honestly sort of feel like I know everybody who's anybody in the travel world. And, and it's, and it's just, it's so cool. It's just really fun. Like when Jessica made it to the final country of every country in the world and, and I knew her and almost was going to Senegal to celebrate with them. And Morgan Radford just had a baby and I've been back and forth like, oh, you're lucky mom. And it's just really cool to just know all these folks who also love travel as much as I do. Well, that's what I love about like your Instagram is that you're so real and you just allow everybody in and you bring them on the journey. I mean, you're posting all the time, reels, questions. You want to get to know people. You want to know what their likes, dislikes are. It's it's one of the reasons why I really love following you when you're traveling. And I don't think you're never not traveling. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now that I've I've reached country 100, I realized that was this goal that I came up with a few years ago. And, and oddly, I have such a peace now that I've achieved that, that it's like, hmm, I think I'll get into yard work now. <laughs> I never go outside. I never do anything in my yard. But I don't know, just on this latest trip, I thought, I think maybe I'll plant some bulbs that'll come up in the spring and sort of spread myself out a little bit and do something new and different along with my travel. Oh, good. So you're still traveling. Yeah. You're not giving still, up traveling for traveling. yard work. <laughs> 
Yeah, you got to figure out which of your plants you don't have to water as often. So they'll be okay when you still Yeah, it's going to be quite a learning curve <laughs> if I do actually get into outdoors yard care. What was your 100th country? Malta. And it was so beautiful. I was on a cruise and, and it was such a beautiful place. I didn't, I mean, I knew that it was pretty cool, but I had no idea just how beautiful it was and so rich in history which so many places are. That's one thing with travel that when I think about history, it used to be that I would learn enough in school to try to get an A in the class, but not really retain it. And now I regret that I didn't retain it because I get places and I have so much that I have to learn, but I love learning it now. It's just, it's so just world history. I feel like I should take a course now and really get into it and learn from a master is I feel like I've learned so much about world history. Every trip you take, they are showing you various things that have happened there. Inevitably in Europe, it's wars. And, and, but I just think I just, I've learned so much. I love it. I'm a history buff. And I'm sure that as you've traveled, you've collected so much information and knowledge you didn't know. So you would absolutely, if you took a world history class, probably connect even more dots. Are there things you've done in your travels? And I assume after a hundred countries there are, are there things you've done in your travels that you read about when you were a little girl or just in general in life that you've got to experience where you got to go inside the story and you understood everything that had happened and were just so excited to be there? Oh, that's been in so many places, just so many places. I mean, I, I guess because I read a lot and my mother read a lot to us and then we got National Geographic. And so, so many places now that I will be, I'll think, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm in the magazine, but it's all real life. And I mean, I can't even begin to name all of them. I mean, just everywhere you go. I mean, it's either been in National Geographic or some storybook like the, this summer, the Alps and the Dolomites. It was, I even did a post where I'm out there twirling around, like the the girl that was photographing me said, well, you look like Julie Andrews. And I said, oh, I feel like Heidi. (laughs) And I started thinking about it and I thought, wow, those fairy tales when we were little, I really think they are, are what one of the things that caused some kids to have serious wanderlust and maybe other people who aren't that into travel because the fairy mm-hmm. tales, they're always set someplace that's very, very picturesque, but you can really imagine it from Hansel and Gretel, Heidi, or just all of them. It's someplace that's really, really vivid in your mind. And so just in travels to get there and this summer in the Alps, oh my gosh, it was, that was the most breathtaking series of days in my life. Every single morning you look out, the hotels were in incredible settings. You guys knocked it out the park with those hotels. They always were in some place that when you open the curtains, there's the mountains, there's the valley, the meadow. It it just was, it was like a dream. I I was telling someone that earlier that people use the word magical now all the time. I mean, we'll describe a cup of coffee as magical and just everything's magical. But honestly, when I was in the Alps this summer, I thought, this is magical. Forget all that other stuff you're Mm. calling magical. This is magical. The scenery on the train, everybody on the train was just spellbound. 
it was hard for me to even get, actually it was the tour manager who did the video for me of being on the train because everybody else was glued to the window, just looking out the window with their mouth hanging open. It was so, it's so important when you're traveling because I feel like as a world, we're all on our, our cell phones and sometimes looking down and not taking things in. But when you travel, it's like just opening your eyes again because it's a new view. It's not what you're used to. And when you have a view like that, oh. I mean, you've set the bar pretty high for the word magical. But when you have a view like yeah. that, it's so nice. You feel so disconnected from everything else except that moment. Absolutely. Yeah. That's And that's really how it was. And just as when seeing the Alps and thinking, oh, it can't get any more breathtaking than this. Then on the final days when we went into the Dolomites, which looks so totally different. I mean, I think now I recognize them on any movie or anything. They have such a unique look and just that jagged starkness that is jaw-dropping in yet another kind of way. I've never seen anything like it in, in real life anywhere. And on, on that tour, you, you went by yourself, right? You were a solo traveler. How do you take that in when you're by yourself and you're traveling? Do you meet other people on tour? Do you get, gather with them and reminisce over these amazing moments that you're seeing? How does that kind of play into your travel? Well, that's one of the things I like about guided travel, that the people tend to be pretty like-minded. So with that particular itinerary, the Alps to the Dolomites, it's one of those kind of itineraries, I think, that you've been to the grand cities of Europe and everywhere, and you've seen a lot of things, and you want something that's just really special and different, and you just you don't know exactly what to expect. And it was really different because it wasn't the big cities. It was smaller cities and villages and mountains and valleys and the prettiest little towns that you've ever seen. So it was just so, so different that really I'm always recommending it to people now. It's like wherever you've been, you've, you thought Paris was beautiful. This is just such a different kind of beauty that you've just got to experience. You just have to see. It just puts your travel game at a whole different level. Because I think I did a post too about, you like the beach? Hey, take your travel to the next level, go to the mountains. It's like the same thing that beaches to you, that's what the Alps were. It's so nice too. I can just picture it the way you're describing it. Just the clean air, the the beauty. I've been there before and it's. I've always said it's. that's a repeatable destination, a place yeah. you could go many times and still find something new to love. And the view never gets old. Yeah. When you're picking out trips for you to go on solo, what's your criteria? Do you have... Are you trying to find places that are completely outside the box or what is it that sometimes, catches your eye? Sometimes I am looking for something that's a little different. And like I said, with the Alps and the Dolomites, that made me really realize how I want to really take some time to look at something that's a little different in the future because I don't I don't know that I just would have off the top of my head just thought, yeah, I want to see the mountains and charming towns. And we sort of don't think like that. We think, oh, I want to see London. Okay, I've seen London. Well, now I want to see... Budapest. Or, so I am looking for things that are a little off the mainstream. I like a variety. I try not to just say like go back to back, say to Europe. I try to get in Africa, Asia, and just sort of rotate around the world because every place is so different that in going from place to place, then I'm, I've always find something really interesting and new and different. Now, something that I love when I've read your story is you mentioned earlier that sometimes children will find a love of a place through a book or a fairy tale, a movie, but you 
seem to have found your love of travel with experiences with your grandfather who would take you along on trips with him. Yes. I, I didn't even know that's where it came from until I was on a podcast once. And I guess the, the guy in asking me questions made me just really, really try to think back on travel. And I know my first plane ride was with my grandfather. We went, I live in Illinois. I lived in Illinois. We went flew from Chicago to New York City. The wedding was going to be to his niece's wedding, which was going to be in Connecticut. So we flew to New York City and his brother met us there. And before driving to Connecticut, he took us down to see the Statue of Liberty. So we went all through Manhattan and all this. And I'm a little six-year-old kid from Rockford, Illinois, seeing the Statue of Liberty, seeing Times Square, seeing New York City, having been on a plane, then going to Connecticut, seeing the ocean. And I think that certainly started the whole thing for me because I I loved it all. And, and he had brought me a new camera, a little brownie camera. And so I was taking pictures all along the way. And when I got back, we got the pictures developed and I was just always showing pictures, those people, those pictures from the wedding and the trip to New York. So that started. And then he also, every summer, went from Illinois to Alabama to uh, check on his property and visit his sister. And going to Alabama was very different because during that time, there were the Jim Crow laws. So once we got south, there were all these things we couldn't do. There were signs up all over the place. And so that was quite, quite different. And it was blazing hot down there. It was really humid. The people, especially my grandfather's older relatives, had very strong Southern accents. So I could barely understand what they were saying. And so it was like a foreign language, a foreign climate, and all this. And I think those summer trips to Alabama were a part of me thinking that foreign countries have got to be pretty interesting because Alabama is so interesting. It's true. The United States has a, such a tapestry from the food scene to the culture right. to the climate. It's it's a diverse place. Oh, right, right. Because even down there, I remember it for breakfast, my cousin that we stayed with, she always made fried pork chops and grits. Nobody in Rockford, Illinois is eating pork chops and grits <laughs> for breakfast. For breakfast. <laughs> so not only you travel with your grandfather, you also traveled with your husband too. And I think you hit all 50 states. Is that something I read? Yes, yeah. Was that a goal that we had to hit 50 states? Well, that was his goal. When we started dating and just talking about travel, he said that he wanted to go to all 50 states. And that was fine with me because I just like going everywhere. And so Mm. thankfully, we did make it to all 50 states and lots of them multiple times. But yeah, that was something we both wanted to do. As a matter of fact, it's a goal I have now that I sort of want to go back to them again. Yeah, it's on my bucket list as well, seeing all 50 states. I'm at, I think... I'm at 34 states right now. The ones I've I'm haven't been to yet are Alabama, Oklahoma, <laughs> Mississippi, uh, Arkansas. What do you, what do you do when you go to those like I mean when you you go to Colorado and you see the Rockies? Mm-hmm. There are certain you go to California, you go to LA. Mm-hmm. There are certain states where you have to go to a certain place. But what do you do when you go to that? You go and you have well, grits actually, and you have pork chops. Right, you have grits and pork chops for breakfast. <laughs> but each state really, he and I concluded that each state is sort of uniquely fascinating. And, yeah. and in the South part of it is the food. Some of it is the history, our U.S. history that's there, civil rights history mm. and all. It's For us, it's interesting to see some of those places that we've read about and, and seen on the news. And they just there's just something in all of it. It might even be just a particular college. I know there's lots in Massachusetts, but when we went to Massachusetts, we ended up doing this college tour. We wanted to see Harvard and Boston U and all the various universities that were there. And sometimes in a place it might be it might be that, just seeing some college campus that you've always heard about. 
but they all have something that once you just sort of research it a little bit, you'll just see that, oh, that's going to be a, a pretty interesting place to go. So I have two questions for you. What was your favorite state? And close second question is, was it Rhode Island? <laughs> I love Rhode and Island. Was it Rhode Island? When we went, we had done this New England loop and it was up Vermont, New Hampshire and coming on down. And we went to Newport. We remember seeing Jackie Kennedy's childhood home or, or home, maybe early marriage home, married home, and went over Vanderbilt, the Vanderbilt estate and all that. Mm. And we had typical touristy kind of stuff. Really, really loved it. But when my daughter was in grad school in Boston, we went down to Providence one day, just like did a day bus trip or something down there. And we went up, I think it's called maybe Little Italy or this all Italian restaurants. Oh my God. I mean, I will never forget the meal I had up there, how amazing it was. And right then I sort of fell in love with Providence <laughs> because of that, that restaurant area that was there. And because when I would go back to Boston to see her, I'd be like, why don't we zip down to Providence and have some Italian food? Oh, it's so good. That's what, one of the top places my husband and I go for date nights is just down to Federal Hill and for the Italian food. In the summer, they have Federal Hill Al Fresco where they shut down Atwell's Avenue, the main street that goes through it, and everybody dines outside on the street. Oh, All wow. the restaurants bring their tables out there. It's really nice. Oh, there's live music. music playing. Yeah. Wow. So you're going to have to come back now. Yeah. We'll take and you. Right. Charlotte, did you drink the? Did you drink any coffee milk when you were here? That's our, our state drink. I don't know if a lot of states have a state drink, but we do. It's coffee milk. I don't remember. I don't remember because that would be like early 2000 when she was in school there. Uh, I probably did, though, because my daughter's real good at researching restaurants. And so this one we went to, I think, was considered one of the best restaurants. And so I'm sure if they mentioned the coffee milk, I probably had it. That's yes. it. I'm that real touristy kind of tourist that likes to do all the touristy stuff. I, I guess I'm a traveler, but I know I'm a tourist. Me too. I have no shame. Yeah. Like, I don't live here. Of course, I'm not a local. Give me all the touristy right. stuff to do. Right. Yeah. Now, you did a, a post recently where you had mentioned that you had you and your husband went to Ireland, and that was your first trip, I believe, outside of the country or international. Was that? London. London. So you went to London and he, he didn't love being outside of the country or didn't love being on that trip? Well, my husband used to say that I didn't like being inconvenienced. And it was just something we understood about each other. But really, he didn't like being inconvenienced either. He just never said it. But he really didn't like it. And so the fact that the beer was warm to him, was that was not a good thing. The fact that there wasn't air conditioning every place, that wasn't a thing. The fact that there wasn't drink, that wasn't ice in drinks. It was all these really tiny things that had nothing to do with travel or the trip. But he just decided he didn't really have to go back to Europe. So we did national parks here in the country. Is that the same trip that was, you, you had a self-guided trip with your husband. I know that you did all the planning. Yes. And it sort of set the tone for your love of guided travel. Absolutely. I didn't even really know that guided travel existed. I don't think I did. I just assumed that I would get all these travel guides figured all out. I had so much to do. I mean, I had researched for months from subway schedules to our day trips, all of it, which was fun for me. That's what I did in the evening while we watched TV. I was sitting there with different travel books, organizing things. And But it really it was so much work when we got there. It was so much work. And every little thing was a lot of work. When we got up to what's the big castle where they just have the wedding. 
I can't think of it. But anyhow, we get up there and my husband was sort of looking a little bored. And I was like, you guys need to be enjoying this. I put many, many, many days, nights, blood, sweat, and tears into organizing this trip. Just fake it for me. And so because Liz was maybe seven or she was eight and she was constantly tired, jet lag and all. She was so tired. But, you know, we when we would go places, I was always like, you just fake it because I put so much time in. Well, when he passed and people started to, oh, go see a travel agent. Well, I went to a travel agent, told them what I wanted to do. And they ended up showing me different catalogs. And it's like, pick a trip. So I picked this trip from the catalog. And that was my first experience with guided travel. And I was like, you mean I didn't have to sit for weeks and weeks researching this? I didn't have to find out subway schedules and how to get from Bath back to London and stop at Canterbury. Are you kidding me? I, we could have just sat back in a bus and done all this stuff. I couldn't believe it. And from that <laughs> time on, that was my first trip as a widow, went to Italy 15 days, and, and then my luggage was lost 11 of the 15 days. Even with no luggage, I was so much calmer and at peace on that trip than the London trip where I'm constantly thinking, okay, what time? Oh my gosh, well, we got to get back over to catch the train. The guided travel, and I tell people all the time, you have just, why put yourself through all that work? Why, mm. why do that? And, and so many solo women have figured that out. Pretty much every trip I'm on, there are always other ladies too who know that a lot of the reasons I have, you feel so safe that that tour manager knows you're there when you're not there. They're sort of, they do that count and they sort of realize, wait a minute, the lady that's alone, if they haven't learned your name just that first day, they still know. They know you. They're looking out for you. And I would never just, there's just no way now to go somewhere without it being guided. I just wouldn't. It'd be too stressful. It's all time you could spend just enjoying your yard work and your future <laughs> travel plans. <laughs> right. Right. As a matter of fact, I, I was thinking even before this that I thought, I'm going to throw this out to you guys. The only part about travel that being solo that's not too desirable is that part from just the whole airport experience, mm -hmm. because that can just late flights or, or just long lines. You get there, the line is way longer than you expected and the stress of that. On a few of my flights this summer, I had connections that were under two hours, which I really, really don't like at all because that to me is so stressful. Well, sure enough, one of them coming back in to the United States got to JFK an hour late and ended up missing my flight back to Indianapolis. It just, it could not be done with one hour left to navigate JFK. And especially since I had to change airlines, which meant sort of going and part of the air train doesn't work for this one segment. Anyhow, uh, I thought, gosh, if Colette could figure out some way <laughs> to, to, to navigate from even when you get off the plane there in the United States till you're at your home airport, if you could do something with that. So true. Airports are so stressful. Yeah. Flying in the airports are my least favorite part of travel. Yeah. Well, even like lost luggage, like you mentioned, lost luggage, late flights. There, There's so many things that you can't always control that can set your trip off on the wrong foot right? or end on the wrong foot. I even wrote a blog about that to, to help like first time travelers, because even that stuff, it's like, it's, it's all in your mindset. It's just like going in and when you're, when I am going to the airport, I'm thinking, hopefully this goes smoothly. Everything's on time. Lines are manageable and all that. If it doesn't, I can't do a doggone thing about it. 
not a thing. So let's just flow with it, chat with somebody else in the line or something and just make the best of it. And in that, when I ended up having to spend the night at the hotel there out at uh, JFK, it was like, okay, there are hotel rooms available. It could be worse. I've never had to sleep in an airport. So let me mm. just head on to the hotel with a smile on my face. It's good to stay positive yeah. because when you start grumbling, it's so easy to just crumble and just become this pessimistic. Yeah, what was I going to do here? So it's good you know, to stay positive. Just start yeah. chewing out people because my flight was an hour late getting in. And it's like, no, let me just get on the phone and see if I can find a hotel room somewhere. Good for you. You're so independent. I love that. <laughs> I also love just the red thread of you traveling with your grandfather and then traveling with your husband. And then you shared the love of travel with your daughter. I was reading your blog with your trip to Italy. Tell us about that. Oh, last year when she went with me, that was so wonderful because she had Italy on her bucket list and she had mm. been wanting to go there. And uh, when it turned out we could go, she was so, so, so thrilled. And I was thrilled because then I knew I'd have somebody taking pictures of me who really knew what they were doing <laughs> and knew me, mainly knew me because she's always like, stand up straight, hold your shoulders back and all this stuff that other people don't say. And then I look at the picture and it's like, oh my God. But the <laughs> Italy trip, that was it was wonderful. It was the destinations. I mean, the uh, cities, the itinerary was great. The thing, though, whenever I think about that trip, I think about those hotels. You guys knocked it out of the park. Totally knocked it out of those hotels. <laughs> one of them was a former palace. It was the Regina and Stresa. Oh, my gosh. It was so yep. beautiful. The setting and the looking over Tuscany, all that. It was so beautiful. Another one had been, I say that it must have been one of Louis XV's places that he had there on the Italian Riviera. Because I mean, from you, when you walked in, just the, the grandeur of it all, the, the chandeliers, the furniture, it was the grandest place, grandest hotel I'd ever been in. Our room was just fabulous and had this view of uh, Lake Maggiore. Then another place was a villa and it was so beautiful. In our room, we had a suite, which was just a little bit of heaven, had this spiral staircase that went up to the tower. Well, the tower had this view, not 360 degrees, but about 320 degree view of Tuscany. So it was all windows around the tower. And there was sofas and stuff up there. So Liz just sort of planted herself up there. I could barely get her from down there the next morning to go on our sightseeing. But it was that that whole experience, all the hotels. It was so amazing. It was just so amazing. And it was just a, like a beautiful trip that you got to share with your daughter that now you two have this memory that you can chat about for the rest of your lives. Oh, yeah. That's, that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. And it's interesting because you said in your blog, I mean, you traveled with your daughter, but as a, now that she's grown, it's really like traveling with a friend and you attempt to not be in mom mode. Was that yeah. achievable? Is it doable to turn off mom mode? Because I feel like I can't even imagine it because my oldest is only 10. So I can't picture the day when I can just travel like a friend and turn off my mom mode. Well, your 10-year-old needs for you to still be mom mode, but a grown up doesn't need that. And so I have to just stay aware of the fact that, that she's a grown person. Would I say this to a girlfriend? Would I do this? Would I expect this? Would I expect my girlfriend to run down to the lobby and get me da-da-da-da? It's like versus your 10-year-old, you might send on a little errand or whatever. So I do really try to stay aware. And, I, and it helps me just knowing that 
She can't get away very much. She has her personal time off and she has a lot of other personal commitments that she has. So when she can travel with me, I'm so grateful that she can, that I want her to have a phenomenal time. And I just sort of, if anything, will suppress my own <laughs> request or desire or something to make sure she's really having a good time because I want her to go with me another time. I think that's, that's so, so thoughtful. Beautiful. Yeah. I did our, I did Colette's America's Music Cities with my mom back in 2018. And it's one of the, my favorite memories I have with her. We got to go to the Grand Ole Opry and we got to walk through the French Quarter together. And it was just me and her because I have a sister and a father and like all of our trips were always all of us uh -huh. together. And it's just so nice that I got one-on-one -on -one time with my mom yeah. for a solid eight days and didn't have to share her with any of my other family. That would be nice. Yeah, and I know you said when you traveled, you attempted to make sure that there was a balance of the things she wanted to do and the things you wanted to do. And that obviously you want to build content and capture footage of the things you love. So you guys took sort of took turns and she helped you with that. I think that's such a nice approach to traveling with anybody, especially with your daughter. Yeah, fortunately it works with her. I don't know how it would work with a friend <laughs> because she knows that she is going to help me that she's going to be doing photos and videos and stuff. And, and so she's really agreeable to that. But if there's something that she wants to do, because sometimes she has maybe seen a restaurant that she wants to run by or, or something that she wants to, to see or do or not do. And if it's something that she just really doesn't want to do, then, then I might just do that by myself. And I'm not surprised that she does help you when you're, when you're together and you're doing some of your stuff because she helped you name the traveling black widow. So she's invested. <laughs> and I always tell her, you know, when she gets started on something like, oh my goodness. So I'm like, you created this monster. <laughs> I didn't know what Instagram was. I didn't know this. Your pictures are gorgeous and your outfits are always oh, your perfect. Outfits are you look always like you're just, perfect. you fit so perfectly in whatever destination and picture you're in. Oh, okay. I love you. I love every single clothing item you have in all <laughs> your pictures. You're beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Now, it's so fun. When you look through the different countries you've been to, the different tours you've been on, what would you say stands out as the most special? Or are there like a, a small handful of places you'd say everyone should add these to their bucket list? Oh, gosh, there's so many places that I say everyone should add. So much of our history here in this country from Europe. And, and so I do think that people should see the great cities of Europe. That's just sort of logical that just see those great cities, London, Paris, Rome, all of them, Ireland. It seems like when I first got out of college and you know, a lot of friends and co-workers, they were always going to Ireland and they had this Irish heritage and they, they wanted to go. And it's like, whatever your own ethnicity is and whatever your heritage, go to that place for sure. Because even going places, I find that I'm not from Central America. My family isn't. But even when I've gone there and a lot of people will think that maybe I'm Guatemalan or Nicaraguan or, or whatever, and even just those interactions when someone thinks that I am, it's just sort of it's just sort of fun and cool to really, especially as an American, when you just really aren't from here and to be someplace and people think that you're one of them. It's just it's really it's really a cool feeling. Matter of fact, this summer I was in, in Namibia and I was going we were doing this village, visiting this village, Hambara people, Himba people. And this one lady said to me, she says, you're my cousin. And I said, well, she says, well, we know that our people were taken and you are possibly my cousin. And I was like, wow. <laughs> I just sort of like got goosebumps that she would even think of this common history 
that we might have and that we could somehow be distant, really, really, really distant cousins and stuff. So I would just say whatever your, what your family lineage with the history is, definitely go there. Check it out. It's, it's sort of fascinating. I was in Serbia and was in this church and all of the art in the church was Byzantine which Byzantine look is a very, like a thin face, very long, thin kind of nose. And anyhow, I happened to look at the tour guide and I was like, oh my gosh, he is clearly whatever the people are in these paintings. And so I said, you have, you look so much like the people in all the paintings. And he said, yes, yeah, that's sort of the Serbian nose. And he says, I visited America. He says, I was in Chicago when we were in this coffee shop. And he says, and I saw these three guys having coffee. And I looked and he says, and I knew they were Serbian. I said, you're kidding. He's like, yes, our, no our nose is very distinct. And so I just thought that's just sort of a cool thing in travel. It's so nice to feel a connection too to when you travel, these things that are a little bigger than ourselves and the experiences we know. I've done the same thing. I've gone to Ireland, to Italy, to Scotland and retraced with my family some family history, and we've met people who live there who are very distant relatives. And there's that sense of familiarity yeah. sometimes, something that could feel like a genetic connection in, in how we look. It, it's very fascinating. Yeah, it is. It really is. And what would you say to, just to pivot for a moment, to women over 60 who might be hesitant about international travel? You've done so much of it, and you've done a lot of it solo. What would you say to someone who is more hesitant? Well, if they really want to go, because I find now there's sort of this movement about solo travel and on a lot of the, the content creators and influencers are, I mean, their whole platform, I mean, their whole niche is pushing solo travel. And really and truly, I do think there are probably a handful of people on the planet who just aren't suited to solo travel, that just their personality just doesn't lend itself to going off and really having a great time alone. But for those who would like to give it a try or who just know there's a great big world out there and they want to see more of it, then I would suggest if, if you're just not ready for that big step of going internationally, even just start with just something in the States so that you just see what your comfort level is, what you're going to need to work on. And I always say just start maybe with New York City because it's bustling, it's busy, there's just all kinds of people, all kinds of situations you're going to encounter and a lot of the people you'll be in settings in New York City, nobody's speaking English. So you really just sort of get a glimpse of really what international travel is like, yet you'll be using the same money. And for the most part, people will be speaking English and you can sort of handle it. You could feel very, very alone there. And even though there are a lot of people around and that's sort of how you can feel when you're in a big city in another country. So I would just say, I always suggest to people, just go to New York City for a weekend just to get your feet wet and see what you're going to have to work on. Are you lonely and unhappy when you're back at the hotel by yourself? Are you scared when you're out in the evening? Or just what is it that you're going to need to really focus on? And then whatever those, those concerns are, the fears are, then stop, take a look at those, analyze them, and find the solution to it. So if it's like, well, I really get scared when it's dark out. Okay, how can I have everything wrapped up before dark so I'm back in my hotel room because I get scared when it's dark out and I'm in a strange place. So I'm always done with my going at sundown and I'm back in the room and, and have just a great time watching TV. I sort of like watching news in a foreign language and just, I don't know, seeing what's a priority to them based on the pictures that they show. But And then I always suggest to maybe start with Great Britain 
because it's English speaking and all and check that out. And then, but I've met people taking their first solo trip, just all kinds of places. I met this girl, she was, I don't know, maybe 35 and doing her first, matter of fact, it was her first trip out of the United States. She just got a passport and she was in Kenya and pretty amazingly hadn't gotten a malaria shot or anything like that, had on a pair of little short, hot, I call them hot pants, whatever real short shorts are, and uh, a little tank top. And we're in the Jeep. Everybody's got all their stuff on and their uh, bug spray in their hats. And she's there with her little little shorts and her tank top. Uh, but she, she got her head together. She knew she wanted to try it. She did it. She had a blast. She had an absolute blast. And so it seems like I'm just always meeting people who are taking that first trip and it's just someplace they dreamed about because she always wanted to go on a safari and just wherever it might be. If it's someplace you've dreamed of, then just make a list of, okay, what am I concerned about? Well, analyze what have I got to do to deal with that, overcome that and go for it. And I'm sure when these people meet you, they're very inspired just by your long travel history, all of the experiences that you can talk about, it's inspiring for someone who has these goals and these dreams to see you because it's proof that you can do it. Well, I never even wanted to necessarily go to 100 countries. I wanted to be a great mom and a great wife. And I mean, that was the thing. I wanted my husband to love our home. I wanted to be decorated beautifully, that he loved being at home and even watching a football game here with me. And so that was sort of my goal. And those were things with priority. I prioritized. And because sometimes now too, when I see young people on Instagram and they're like, oh, I'm getting in this country. Oh, I'm getting up. And it's like, just calm down. Enjoy whatever stage your life is in. If you're dating now, enjoy dating. But the guy doesn't have a passport. That's not the end of the world. My husband didn't like international travel and we were together 31 years. There's, it's more to a relationship than that somebody wants to travel with you because there'll be times in your life when you'll be saving for your kids to go to college or saving to buy a house or whatever. You won't really be traveling a lot anyway. So there's, it's a whole big old life that's going on. <laughs> that was great. So what's next for the Traveling Black Widow? Do you have any upcoming trips that you want to share with our listeners? Well, I do want to revisit the 50 states. I really do. I just, I feel like now I've seen so much of the world that I just want to revisit them. I know like when I was in Australia and I thought, gosh, this is so much like the United States. For some reason, I left Australia thinking, the United States is really cool. We're like totally on par with Australia. <laughs> just pretty much everything they had. It's like we have it, but in a slightly different form. And, and so it made me want to go back and visit more of the states because like they had Uluru and we have Grand Canyon. Every state has something that's really outstanding. I just, I want to revisit them. And then there are still a few countries I want to go to, but I'd like to go back to some countries that I really liked and just spend more time, see more of them. And this once a few years ago, once I got this thing of like, well, I want to go to a hundred countries. Then that became, I had to, I was always looking for new countries. You know, what does this country have to offer that's new and different? But now I'd like to go back to some places that I really liked a lot. So we started off this episode really talking about holidays, holiday traditions that we have. Have you traveled at all during the holiday season? Have you ever gone to the Christmas markets or did anything like that? 
Yes, I never had, when my husband was alive, it was out of the question. He wanted Christmas right here at our house. But the first Christmas, he died in July. And that Christmas, my daughter and I did a, a tour to Spain, Portugal, Morocco. And we especially chose Morocco because we knew being a Muslim country that there would be a lot of Christmas trees and Santa Claus and stuff that would have us really sad about it being our first Christmas. So in Spain, though, we did do the Christmas markets and in Spain and Portugal were both very decorated. I guess we probably went like, oh, say maybe December 20th to January 3rd or something like that. But that was, it was really a lot of fun and we enjoyed it. And we thought then that traveling at Christmas was what the two of us wanted to do because we really didn't even want to spend it with one of my husband's, one of her uncles, my husband's brothers or sisters or something. It just seemed like it would just be sort of too painful to be any place without him. So that's why we just wanted to do something totally new. So then the next couple of years, we did cruises at Christmas, which was a lot of fun. And then another year we went to Egypt at Christmas. And that was really cool also because once again, there was no kind of Santa and Christmas trees and, and stuff like that. So those were our first few years of sort of adjusting to it just being me and her at Christmas time. And, and I will say traveling at Christmas, it's really, it's really great. If you don't want to be at home and if you are newly widowed or something, or don't really have the family that you want to visit or something, travel is super because everybody's there on whatever kind of trip it is, whether it's the cruise, land tour, whatever it is, everybody's there sort of with that same mindset that they didn't want to just be at home, the two of them or the one or whatever it is. So it works out really well. It's really a lot of fun. It's new people that they want to do. So they want to have a fun Christmas. Nobody wants to not be happy at Christmas. They want to have a fun Christmas. And a matter of fact, that first year, and we did the Spain, Portugal, Morocco, there were three ladies and a priest who were all traveling solo. But we just couldn't believe the priest didn't want to be back at at the church and everything at Christmas time. And he managed to get the time off and do this trip. But yeah, and the three ladies, I asked each of them, I was always asking, you know, like, like New Year's Eve, like, well, how do you feel? It's New Year's Eve and you're traveling by yourself. They were always happy. <laughs> they were always like, this is so great. And one of them, I, she had these two sons and she wasn't real wild about her daughters-in-law. And she said, this is just the best way for me to spend Christmas on a guided tour. So for whatever reason, it, travel at Christmas is pretty cool. And it's nice to be surrounded by all those like-minded people, like you said, yeah. who are going through the same thing, but wanting to still celebrate and enjoy themselves. Right. I've never thought about it that yeah, way. Yeah, the couple, really like because you think about it, a couple that's there, especially like a couple that's older, well, a lot of times it was a situation like maybe their grandkids are really bratty or just something that they just thought, it'll be more fun to just travel right now. I love it. This is why you keep it real. You tell it like it is. Oh, sorry. And no, it's, it's, <laughs> that's, that's what I love. And I really like that's it. That's why I love following yeah, you too on oh. all of your Instagram, your Facebook, the blogs. I mean, you really keep it real for everybody and you showcase what it is like to travel, solo travel with your daughter. And we appreciate you coming on with us and sharing all of these memories that you've had with your grandfather, your husband, your daughter. And we're really excited to see where you go next. And we can't wait to really see you on another Colette Guided Tour. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. This yeah, was thank fun. You. Thank you. And the tours are fabulous. Like I said, you guys are constantly knocking it out the park. 
Thank you. We love to hear that. We love that. I know. That's so reassuring. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. Have a great holiday season, no matter what you're doing. If you're traveling, if you're staying home, enjoy that. Have a great new year. Thank you. Same to you. All right. Bye, Charlotte. Thank you so much for joining us. I want to thank all of our listeners for joining us today. We hope that you enjoy this episode with Charlotte talking about solo travel and multi-generational travel. And I hope everybody has a fantastic holiday season. And from all of us here at Colette, I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. And happy Kwanzaa. Take care, everyone. We can't wait to be back in the new year with new episodes. So make sure you're following us wherever you listen to your podcast. And don't forget to pack your holiday spirit. Bye, everyone. Bye.